Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. Hello, everybody. How are you? How are the paranormal happenings in your neck of the woods? Well, they've been quite lively around by me because there seems to be a lot more activity in my kitchen again, what with objects moving around and suspiciously, my uh, my two antique dolls that I bought seem to be moving by themselves. But my husband's very reluctant for me to put up my camera in the living room because he feels like it's an intrusion. But suspiciously every morning when I come down they're all skew whiff and they look like they've been having a party so we'll just have to see what's going on there during the week this week we have an interview with author and podcast host Craig Bryant Craig is the host of Paranormal Pendle which is a fabulous fabulous podcast so Without further ado, I shall pass you over to all the paranormal stuff that me and Craig were talking about. Take it away, Craig. Craig and it's been uh, it's been a while since I've spoken to you what have you been up to since I last had a chat with you um well I've been quite busy with um I've finished a, a second book and um I've also been quite busy with my own podcast as well um and also doing some uh, research into some material hopefully for a for another book for a third book this one's going to be a little bit different to the last two um, and just really sort of catching up on um, things that have been happening around and about, talking to people and, um, you know, looking at um, looking at reports and uh, just just, you know, generally doing uh, ongoing research, really. Yeah. Keeping your fingers in all the pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, I'd love to hear about your second book. Uh, what's that one about? Does it continue on from the first or is it a standalone book? No, it's very much continuation from the first book. Um, it's called The Black Monks of Accrington. It's um, it's available on Amazon. If you put my name into Amazon, you'll you'll find the first book, um, the second book, uh, and also a children's book, which is actually not me, but he has the same name. Um, Pee Wee the Horse was not written by me. If anybody, <laughs> uh, if anybody's curious, um, yeah, it's. Um, it's a continuation, really, of... Uh, I had quite a few stories uh, left over from the first book. I didn't want to cram too much into, into the first book, and I think it was just about the right length. Um, but there was still quite a lot of um, stories and uh, things I'd spoken to people about over the years and also um, been contacted whilst, you know, whilst I was doing research for the first book. Um, and it just seemed a natural continuation, really, to to do sort of half of the book really as a continuation of, of the first one. So um, lots of stuff about East Lancashire again, around um, the town of Accrington where, where the first one really was based because that, that's where I was born and, and sort of grew up. Um, quite a bit of stuff about where I live now in the Ribble Valley, close to Pendle Hill. Um, some uh, quite interesting stories that I've picked up about this area 
um, which is is quite interesting, really, because it, uh, you know living so close to Pendle Hill, people think that it's all um, all about the Pendle witches and witchcraft and all and all that 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 sort of um, that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of paranormal activity goes on around here as well, and a lot of UFO activity as well. Um, and I've also tried to um, look at, at sort of um, some UFO stuff from a little bit further afield as well. So. Uh, I did some research into uh, Morecambe Bay, a number of sightings up on uh, up over Morecambe Bay over the years, um, and I noticed that you know, there started to be a, an awful lot of similarities. Um, looking at records going back to to before the First World War, um, and in fact going back to pre-flight, really, so late late eighteen hundreds. Um, there were reports in the in the local papers up there about strange objects in the sky, um, and and um, a lot of those uh, stories have got similarities as well. So, so that was something that I, I really enjoyed researching and and sort of putting down in the book because I think a lot of these stories sometimes are, are sort of lost really in history and they don't they don't get mentioned as much as some of the more um, sort of glamorous um ufo sightings you know your rendlesham forests and um you know your alan godfrey case which you know are all very you know very worthy um ufo stories in their own right but i think there's there's a lot of if you look at, at a lot of the sort of often ignored or, or forgotten reports you can find a lot of similarities yeah yeah definitely um i mean can you tell us any in particular, any of the stories from around Morecambe? Yeah, well, they, they tend to be, um, they, they, all, they all tend to be uh, UFO sightings that are triangular in nature. So they're all triangular um, objects. Um, we, we, will, we will today call them craft, but if you're going back to the late 1800s, um, as I said, pre-First World War, pre flight really um pre-manned flight there were reports in um in the local newspapers of strange triangular objects seen in in the in the skies now we're talking you know sort of 1890s um and these these have been seen uh on a number of occasions and and going back through the records they've been seen all the way through since the late 19th century right through to sort of in between the wars um 1933 there was a sighting from um, a number of fishermen who were out on the um out on the bay fishing and they saw a large number of these triangular objects um that, that were all congregating in in the skies above them and, and some of them were coming quite quite low down towards um you know the uh the level of 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 the water um, and then going through to 1950s, 1960s, 70s, 80s, and right up to the present day, um, a number of, of sightings. There was one, actually, of um, uh, there was a, a, a guy and his daughter. This was back in the 1990s. Um, and a lot of these seem to happen in broad daylight, which is quite odd. Um, <clears throat> they had witnessed this large black triangular object, which had been hovering over um, over the sands. Uh, Morecambe Bay is a tidal estuary, so if people don't don't know it, it, it basically it's very shallow and it floods with water twice a day with the tides. So it, it's it's a, a massive. It's about two hundred square miles of 
mud flats and sand when it when the tide's out and then when the tide comes in um it just floods for for two or three hours and then the tide goes out again so it's it's a really interesting place it's it's a beautiful place to visit um if if you like wildlife and certainly um you know wildfowl and things like that it's one of the best places in in britain to go to the whole area really is steeped in I think probably mysticism is the best way to put it. There's been a lot of objects discovered over the years that, that would suggest that there have been um, people living in the area going back a lot further than uh, than was first thought, you know, sort of going back very much pre-Roman um, and, even, and even before that. But a lot of these objects that have been seen, um, like I say, there was there was one, I'm going off, off tangents a little bit there, but... Um, this gentleman and his daughter had seen one of these large black objects, black triangular objects hovering above the sands, and it actually came towards them across the sands. They, they were on the um, on the shoreline, in effect, and um, it was in quite a populated. Well, it, 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 the, the you know the 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 whole of of the bay really the the outside the outskirts of the bay is quite quite well populated there are there are towns and and villages all the way around so you're never really somewhere where you're not that far from um from a building or from people um and so that again is is the odd thing about it that it, it, it was it was in it was in an area that you would expect a lot of people to to be around at the time and as as i say this 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 guy and his daughter saw this object came very close to them he said it was it came within about 30 feet about the same time, there was a report put into the uh, to the local police from uh, somebody who was living up in Morecambe, and it was actually in a residential area. So there was there was a lot of houses around, um, and he said he was out in his back garden, and suddenly this big black object appeared above his garden. Um, he reckoned it was it was probably about you know fifty sixty feet above him in the air, so it was quite high up. Um, but it just sort of completely he said it completely blotted out the sun. Um, and then just just shot off at speed, and this this was over a um, a residential area in broad daylight. So it's not, you know, in, in your sort of um, classic Winter Hill, Pendle Hill, North Yorkshire Moors type sightings where it's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this really was um, right in the middle of of you know suburbia in effect, because Morecambe's quite a quite a large town. Um, so yeah, a lot of them seem to be uh, triangular craft, or in fact, they all seem to be triangular craft. They all seem to be fairly solid and black, um, no discernible features, no windows, nothing like that. Um, and so, of course, the thing about Morecambe Bay is it, not only is it a, a, an interesting place from a, a sort of geological point of view, but there's also two very large nuclear power stations. Now, obviously, these have been built from the 1950s onwards, so I'm not suggesting that, you know, going back to the late 19th century, these, there were nuclear power stations there because there weren't. But there seems to be an increase in activity since the sort of late 40s, 50s, when these nuclear power stations were built. One's at Heesham, which is on the south side of Morecambe, and the other one is at Sellafield, which is just around the coast. Um, going up on the the Cumbrian coast, and again up there, there's an awful lot of uh, UFO sightings have been going on over the years as well. And a lot of those tend to be 
um, of the sort of black triangular nature. So it's interesting. I mean, Pete, you know, I've I've spoken to to people. I've you know, we've we've sent messages and and what have you. I I, I had a, a a long conversation with a chap who lived up in um, in Barrow in Furness, and and he. He said that he had seen over the years quite a number of different craft, different strange-looking craft over Morecambe Bay. Um, he was a, a pleasure angler. Uh, he used to go out fishing, especially night fishing, with his with his brother um, and his cousin. And he said all three of them had seen on quite a few different occasions. Um, they'd seen strange lights at night over over Morecambe Bay, and especially over towards Heesham and the and the power station. So um, I've spoken to quite a few people who've who've had you know sort of similar experiences um, over the years up there. So it does seem to be uh, quite a, a sort of um, hotbed, really, of um, UFO activity. Wow! Gosh, do you know what? Um, there's one thing in my life that I hope that I see at some point is um, a UFO, and I, I've never seen one. Um, and I, I often actually go out into my garden. Um, I've come to the conclusion that um, Chichester, where I live, must be a, a no UFO zone because um, <laughs> I've, I've never seen a thing. Or I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but I do find it fascinating about the black triangles. Um, and I think we're a bit spoiled these days, actually, with all the aircraft that we have, because everybody can just say, oh, well, it, you know, it's 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 a uh, an RAF plane or it's a special one from the USA or whatever whereas yeah. back in the 1800s they didn't have that luxury it, it was weird and everybody knew it was weird yeah I mean the, the interesting thing a lot of people say these these black triangular UFOs are, are stealth um, military aircraft um, you know like the um, back in the 1980s the the American Air Force had the the infamous flying wing didn't they you know it was you know the um we, we, which was a, a a black triangular plane in effect it, it was it was a strange shape obviously in order to um to you know avoid detection yeah. but you know you you have to, you have to ask the question well if they are secret military aircraft why are they going out i mean one of the sightings by, by the three fishermen said that there were over 30 craft over 30 objects in the sky at the same time and, and they were all of a similar nature so if they are a secret stealth um aircraft why are the 30 odd of them going out in broad daylight over an area which is populated because like i say you know all, all the way around it doesn't matter which side of the bay because it's sort of like a horseshoe um it doesn't matter which side of the bay you can be on Grange over Sands or Barrow at one side and Morecambe and Heesham at the other. And if you're looking out across the bay, you're going, you're going to see what's over the bay. So, you know, if, if there were secret military planes, why are they out in broad daylight when so many people can see them? Yeah. But of course they're not. Them. They're not because they're going back. So like, like you said, they're going back, you know, to the late 19th century. There was, there was nothing like that in, you know, the, 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 that we were producing and flying at the time. So. Yeah, if they were being stealth aircraft, they did a pretty bad job of it. Um. <laughs> exactly, and especially, if, I mean, you know, stealth aircraft don't go out in groups of, of 20 and 30, you know. Um, they, yeah. they just don't fly in formations like that. 
So, you know, they're, they're not... They're not military aircraft, as far as I'm concerned, because they just don't fit the MO of of normal military aircraft. I mean, I live um, I live on a flight path, so we do get quite a lot of uh, jet fighters. Um, they fly up the valley towards um, North Yorkshire, towards Pennington, North Yorkshire. Um, we get a lot of Chinook helicopters coming over as well, again, flying up there because there are military bases up there. Um, and we seem to be where I live. I seem to be right underneath um, the flight path. And when when I see or hear um, military aircraft, especially flying around, because it's so, so mountainous and hilly around here, you obviously get the sound bouncing off the hills and uh, off the fells and so on. So you can hear these these planes, and, and quite often you can hear them and not see them. The thing about a lot of these reports of these triangular craft is that there's no sound. So there's not even the sound of aircraft. Um, so to me, it just seems nonsensical that, that they are military aircraft. They just don't, don't fit the MO at all. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you might not know the answer to the, this, but I'm just sort of wondering whether um, when these um, craft are seen in large numbers or very, very close to people in populated areas, do you know if there are multiple reports or is it I you see I'll tell you something in a minute that somebody said to me once and it boggled my mind do you think that there's only certain people who can see them it's a possibility I mean most of the reports tend to be um single reports so although there may be more than one person involved in that report you, you they tend to be reports from the same location apart from the one where we you know where i mentioned the guy and his, his young daughter and the other guy who was it stood in his garden and and they both saw the same thing whether it was the same object or not is a, is a different matter but they saw the same thing at the same time or the same type of craft at the same time um it's, it's an interesting question that i mean i know that certainly with with the paranormal, I think there are some people who are more attuned to um, picking up on paranormal activity than others. Um, and I know that, you know, it, it, people say it's like dialing a radio in, um, an old fashioned radio and, and picking up on, on the frequency of a, of, a, um, of a radio station. You know, you have to just tune it in very, very delicately in order to get the right signal. And that's subconsciously probably what what certain people can do in order to be able to to pick up on uh, paranormal activity is, is it the same with ufos that's a very good question i honestly don't know i don't know of any instances where you've had two people in the same place and one's seen an object and the other one said oh, i can't see it um but i do know of that happening with people who do paranormal um investigations or you know even I mean, it's even happened to me, and it's happened the the, the opposite way around. Sometimes, um, myself and my wife have been somewhere, and she's picked up on something, and I haven't, and and vice versa. Sometimes I've picked up on something, and she hasn't. So I think it, it sometimes it depends what what frame of mind you're in, um, and it depends on how attuned you are to that particular uh, location. But with UFOs, um, it could well be that that. Uh, you know, I mean, I've spoken to people over the years. I've done podcasts with people um, who've, you know, come up with the um, 
idea that, that these objects are from a different dimension or the slightly out of uh slightly out of phase with with our uh time and every now and then they sort of pop into our time and that's when we can see them same with ghosts ghosts are in you know in effect um beings that that are on a different um plane of existence or a different time frame to us and every now and then we sort of you know we sort of meet and cross and that's that's how we see these things so it's entirely possible that ufos are exactly the same thing um and i'm often asked is is there a is there a correlation between ufos and 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 the paranormal you know do the two go hand in hand and i think to a certain degree they do because you tend to find um places or or areas that are very rich in both types of of activity they don't you don't tend to to get many places where it's one or the other um i think the more research we do i think the more it's becoming pretty obvious that the two do seem to go hand in hand now whether that's something to do with energy with um with ley lines with portals um with natural geographic or geological formations that you know create um uh fields of energy um i don't know water and all uh water as well seems to seems to play a big part um i found quite a lot of uh interesting ghost stories that have been centered near or around water um so again you know it's 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 that energy that that constant you know running of water or or energy that's stored in water that's perhaps acting as a as a sort of um uh focal point for this type of activity yeah i i think there's a lot to be said um for that theory uh, the more that i've investigated over the last few years the more i'm convinced that there are certain aspects that just have so many things in common with each other that they're not all isolated random incidents and I, I do definitely believe that it's it's to do with the energy or that there are um, areas that are more uh, conduits shall we say for being able to see that sort of thing yeah um I was just wondering whether there were sort of um multiple reports of the same sightings because I so I had um a colleague many years ago when I went to teaching college in 2004 and I've said this on the podcast before and I still haven't found him and there was this man called John and um he was on my um teaching course at the Urban Learning Foundation in London please get in touch Don if you ever listen to this and um at the time I was um so busy with learning how to teach that I'd sort of taken a break from the paranormal at the time. And um, he was such uh, an interesting character and he was really separate from the rest of the um, teaching um, students. Uh, and all the other students came to sort of dress him um, as kind of weird John, bless him. He was a bit different. Um, because he was very, very open about the fact that he saw UFOs all the time. And of course, as you can imagine, on a teaching course, um, you know, in London, 
kind of people who claim to be very serious minded people. It was like, oh, have you heard John's stories about these UFOs? So I arranged, being interested in that sort of stuff anyway, uh, to go for a cup of tea with him one afternoon. And we sat down for about two hours. Um, and he told me that he sees them all the time. Um, he sees them in London. He sees cigar shaped craft. He, see, he says, I've seen every sort of craft you could imagine. He said, but, um, and I, uh, he claimed to be in contact with beings from these craft. And he said, the thing is, uh, this is what he said. I'm not claiming to um, agree with him, but I find it interesting. Um, he said, the thing is, Michaela, that um, they choose who they allow to see them. I'm I'm someone who's been chosen to see them, but they can fly past over my head in the middle of London, and I'm the only person who can see them, and everybody else is unaware. And that, I mean, at the he gave me these two books to read, which are quite really out there, even compared to books I've read recently. Um, and I'd love to return his books to him one day as well. But um, it boggled my mind what he said. What What do you think about that? Um. Well, I have spoken to to other people. I've had guests um, on my podcast who have um, said similar that um, you know these these beings are not necessarily from another planet. They are um, either from here, and and they're sort of slightly out of phase with us, um, and they do. Uh, only make themselves known to the people that they want to see them. Um, I don't have any experience of of seeing um, anything that you would class as a as an alien. Um, I've seen strange things that I I think are paranormal. Um, I've got strange things that I think are paranormal that are happening in my house, but you know what what is what is paranormal and and what is alien because you don't you don't know that that there is a difference between the two really um like i said before you know it's it's this this growing um school of thought now that the that the two are, are very much connected um and in fact you know cryptids and cryptozoology which i I am not an expert on at all. Um, it's just something that that I find really fascinating. And I did a a podcast. My I actually just uploaded it today um, with um, Ash Ellis and Greg Tomlinson from Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast. Good friends, good friends, good friends. Yeah, very interesting guys. We always we always have a really really good um, chinwag about stuff. And 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 we were talking about cryptids because they're doing a series on on uh, on cryptids um and you know we we're talking about things like mothman and and stuff like that and, and you know i mean depending on which way you look at it they can be they can be aliens in effect um and some people see them and some people don't um now whether or not they they allow themselves to be seen by certain people um, maybe it's again, it's it's this tuning yourself into that frequency um, theory. Um, so I, I I can't I can't dispel the theory. 
I can't prove it or or dispel it. Um, and one thing I've learned being in this um, this area of of interest, shall we say, is that I am now the fact that it belies me age because I'm I'm turning into a grumpy old man. You have to ask my wife. I am very very grumpy, but um, and I don't suffer fools fools gladly. But what I do do is if somebody t- tells me something, I'll take it on face value. And if if they say that they believe something, then it's not for me to say, well, you're right or you're wrong. Because until I've got proof either way, if somebody believes something, then, you know, who am I to, to disagree with them? And if somebody believes that they are seeing UFOs only because they are being allowed to see UFOs, then who am I to say, well, actually, mate, I think you're a bit bonkers because that's not, you know, that doesn't happen. It, 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 it's entirely possible. But until I have proof either way, I, I, I just sit on the fence and, and you know, take these stories on face value. So the answer to your question in a very roundabout way is mm-hmm. um, it's entirely possible. Yeah. I mean, I'm I very much of the same mind as you. I... I really like listening to people's stories and I I can't say if they're true because I wasn't there and I wasn't experiencing it. Oh, exactly. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and I'd love to talk to John again. I really would. Uh, I feel like he's one of those people that got away. Um, and I've, be, I've even been through old carrier bags in my garage of paperwork thinking maybe we had a, a class list or something. Um, and I, I just can't find him. So one day, hopefully. Yeah, um, so my interest was piqued during that, um, particularly about you saying that you had some paranormal things going on in your house. Would you be able to tell us about any of them? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this, yeah, this, this does actually raise a few eyebrows. And it's, it, I mean, I still find it quite difficult to believe um, what happened. And I, I'll be honest with you now. I mean, this this was something that happened about um, probably about a year ago, um, and things have quietened not quiet quiet quietened down recently. I'll be honest if I get my teeth into gear. <laughs> Edit that out. Um, yeah, things have quietened down recently. However, um, there are still times where um, I sort of see shadows out of the corner of my eye. Um, I have feelings that. There is perhaps somebody else in the room with me. Um, my wife has also had these feelings. She's also seen these sort of shadows moving about as well. Um, and in fact, my son, um, who's now 16, um, he's two or three times when he does, you know, when he's not grunting and looking for food in the fridge. I've uh, got two of those. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like locusts, aren't they? I, never seen anybody go through a... a packet of cocoa pops as quickly as other cereal is available i've never seen anybody go through a packet of cocoa pops so quickly in my life or a Um, loaf of bread bread. yeah well i'm on a diet at the minute so i'm not buying bread so he's having to substitute bread with (laughs) with cocoa pops i think yeah i'm a bad parent um so so yeah i mean he's he's sort of mentioned two or three times that he's had a funny feeling or um especially in the dining room, which is a very, very cold room. It's always been a cold room. And it's in the dining room where we have a piano. Now, it sounds very middle class, but we actually picked it up. It was fairly cheap. We bought it from um, uh, a local shop who, who actually does sell pianos. And we bought it, well, well over 10 years ago. 
um, because my son at the time, when he was when he was sort of little, he wanted to learn to play the piano. Um, and my wife is is from a very musical background, very musical family, so we ended up buying this secondhand piano. Um, now it's about it's it's over a hundred years old. I did some research on it. We had um, a guy came around, a piano tuner came around because it was it was quite out of tune, and he he took the back off it. And there's a plaque um, which has got all the the manufacturer's details and everything and, and when it was made. So um, made in Leipzig in Germany, 1911. Um, but it's wow. by by a company called Bluthner. It was imported to um, a shop in uh, Manchester on Deansgate um, just before the First World War, which is no longer there anymore. And then it was bought by a family um, in a place called Haslinden, which is not that too far away from here. And it looks like it was in the family for that for the whole time until it um, was bought in house clearance by the guy who we bought it from. So that obviously, you know, it had been in the same family for for well over a hundred years. But we started to get some, uh, well, we started to have some bad luck, um, just things going wrong. Problems with Sarah's job. Sarah's a teacher as well. She was made redundant from a school she'd been at for years, um, and we just had quite a few little bits of, of, of bad luck. And, and I always joked that it was down to the piano, but I always thought that I always felt that there was some sort of um, entities, the wrong word, but there was something not quite right about it. I always got a strange feeling that there was something attached to it. And, and you know, we know that that you can have things that attach themselves to objects. Yeah. Um, I mean, dolls are the big one, but, you know, that's because they look like us and they are creepy. You know, a piano doesn't resemble um, a human being in any of the part of the fact it's got four legs that's about, and, and keys, that's about it, you know, look like teeth. Um, but, um, but you know, you, you can still have things attach themselves to items of furniture. Um, and I, I always I always sort of joked, that, sort of half-jokingly, that there was, there was something about this piano that I didn't quite like. Anyway, we noticed um, over the last sort of four or five years that we started getting some strange occurrences. So it started off as smells, um, and it was like really heavy perfume. Um, and every now and then we'd also get smell of uh, fish, so fish cooking. So like, you know, like somebody, somebody cooking a, a piece of fish. Um, that was often in the uh, kitchen, strangely enough. So whether it's linked or not, I don't know. Um, now, some, some people have said to me, well, that, that's the smell of burning electrics, but electrical wiring, but it isn't because A, I've not had a fire, and B, it's all new, newly um, uh, wired. You know, we've had new, new electrical wiring put in the house. So, so it's not that. And it comes and goes. It's not all the time anyway. So it's not like a constant thing. But that's one of the strange smells. But we, we used to get this really heavy perfume smell, really old-fashioned perfume. So it was like... Um, the sort of stuff that my grandma used to wear that I remember when I was, you know, when I was a little boy, that really sort of heady, heavy perfume, you know, very floral, yeah. uh, sickly, sweet smell. You started getting that quite a lot in different rooms in the, in, in the, ho in the house. And the, um, the dining room, which, which is, is a, it's a, it's a separate room to the, to the front room. Um, 
where the piano is was was always a very cold room but it became it seemed to become even colder when we put the piano in there and there was quite a few times where um as i said james is 16 now but going back four or five years so it'd be sort of like 11 12 something like that so he'd, he'd go into the dining room and he'd come out and he'd say dad it's really cold in there and he'd, he'd say it's like it's colder on one part of the room than the other and if you went in it did actually feel colder now that can be that can be natural you know that can be because you stood next to a window it could be because there's a draft um there is an old blocked up chimney in there where there used to be an open fire so you know again it's a possibility that that it's that that's causing uh causing it to be a lot colder than yeah. the rooms you know but it just seems strange that we noticed it more once once the piano had, had come in we then started seeing or i started seeing shadows so out, out of the corner of my eye i'd see a shadow on the wall or i'd feel like there was something in the room or something moving through the room um and i mentioned it to sarah and she uh she said that she'd had the same experiences separate to me and then one saturday night we were sat watching tv and we both saw this same very dark shape moving across the wall behind where she was sat because i looked up and said look at that and she sort of turned around and looked and we both saw it it's not lights from outside it's not car lights or anything like that because we live on a, a cul-de-sac so we don't get an awful lot of traffic coming down and we're also set up quite high from the road anyway we've got quite a lot of steep steps at the front of the house um so even if a car does drive past it's not the lights are not at the at the level to actually shine into in, into the house windows yeah so it's not a it's not car headlights or anything like that um and then the really weird thing happened about 12 months ago and it was it was almost like it was all building up it was a bit of a bit of a crescendo really and then it's sort of gone fairly quiet again although there have been two or three occasions where um i've seen these sort of dark shadowy shapes again moving across the walls but not as um not as often as before and what happened was i was actually we have um uh we have a a, a vestibule between so so we have a, a an internal door basically um, and then we've got the external door it's a 1930s build house so we've got the old vestibule um and it's only about sort of four foot square so it's only a small space and we hang the dog leads up um off hooks on the wall so this particular day it was about lunchtime and i was getting the two dogs ready to take them out for the daily walk um and i was in the vestibule with with the door into the hallway open and there was a piece of um it was a bit of junk mail really that was stuck halfway in the uh the letterbox and it had been there for a couple of days because I, I i hadn't I, I hadn't been bothered really to take it out the letterbox because i knew what it was i could see it was just a piece of junk mail and we'd not had any mail for a couple you know any mail or any letters or anything for a couple of days actually so it had never had just laziness i'd never never pulled it out um and the letterbox is quite it's it's a it's a brass letterbox and it's got a really strong spring on it so if yeah. you pull pull something through or, or you lift up the letterbox and let it go it snaps back it's quite vicious really if you get it's like yeah. a, it's tail out of open all hours you know if you get yeah. 
and it'll, it'll take. I can imagine. I used to be a temporary <laughs> postwoman, and I came across right. some. Uh, yeah, I had some letterbox injuries from that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I pro probably the same manufacturer. Yeah, I, I I often think it's going to take the end of my fingers off when I when I pull letters. <laughs> but my point is that in order to to be able to pull pull a letter through, if it's stuck halfway halfway and halfway out. Um, you have to, you know, really grab it quite firm and, and give it a good old pull, you know, a good yeah. old yank. Um, now, we've got a glass. The outside door is glass, so you can see if there's anybody outside. So basically what happened was I was stood in the vestibule and I was getting the dogs ready, putting the leads on, and all of a sudden this letter, it was like, and I, I, look, I, I was watching it do this. It was like somebody or an un, unseen hand, an invisible hand, I actually grabbed hold of it and pulled it through the letterbox and dropped it on, on to, onto the mat in front of my feet. And I, and I looked at it and I thought, the first thing that goes, went through my mind was, well, that was a bit weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and, but I knew there was nobody outside shoving it through because I could see through the glass. So there was nobody moving about outside. Strangely enough, the dogs didn't react. And I would have expected the dogs to react, um, but they didn't. Now, one of the dogs in particular does do some strange things occasionally, and he does stare at, at spots, and he becomes quite fixated on things. And and this has happened more recently, um, and I'll I'll just explain that in a sec because it's a bit of a separate thing. But my yeah. point is that neither of the two dogs. May, had any reaction when this happened which is odd you'd think that if there was something because they can tend to pick up on things um animals you know as as we know can can be more sensitive to um to paranormal activity than the most people can be um but they didn't react at all which which was really strange so the only thing i can think of was that something you know, some wild noise, something was trying to, trying to, you know, grab my attention because it, it was. It's not very often you see something physical like that. I mean, that is yeah. poltergeist activity, really. That can be classed as poltergeist activity, um, you know. And and you know, my um, my wife's family lived in a, a 16th century farmhouse for for a while, and and they had some quite. Um, areas in poltergeist activity and there that, that included moving objects around and stuff so um so when i told sarah about it because there was there was only me in the house at the time and i told her about it you know she was she was like well you know that sounds to me that sounds like what used to happen when we were at the farm you know that sort of physical um physical manifestation so but uh, after that it all went a little bit sort of quiet like i say we've had a few instances i've not smelt anything for 12 months i've not had this really strong heavy perfume and it's I, I i do actually want it to come back i want to find out you know what it is yeah um i want to find out what it is that that was causing all these different different phenomena so i'm hoping that you know perhaps things will, will start to pick up again um because i have seen uh <clears throat> like i say these these sort of strange shadowy um not figures as such but the like sort of forms moving you know sort of moving across the walls or out of the corner of, of my eye um about two or three months ago there was some which were down very close to ground level i was actually sat in the chair in front of the fire and something out of my left eye um 
which was um, sort of in the doorway into the hallway. And I sort of looked and I, I, I just momentarily saw something, but there were quite smallish figures, which which was a bit odd. There were there were sort of just you know very sort of dark shapes more than anything. They weren't they weren't you know um, well defined figures or anything like that. But um, just going back to the dogs as well, and I've I've never I've never told this before. Um, we had to um, let one of our dogs uh, go a few weeks ago. He was very poorly. Oh, I'm sorry um, unfortunately we had we had to have him put to sleep it was it was the best thing really um and a few days later um I was having some decorating done upstairs in in the hallway and we normally have um the dog's cages in the hallway although the two cock spaniels sleep on the bed with us um but the we we normally have the cages up here but they were they were in downstairs in the dining room where I'd sort of like decamped I was working from home at the time um so I had the decorator upstairs doing the hallway and I was downstairs in the dining room and I'd, I'd taken one of the dog's cages down and, and all the dogs were in there with me and I was doing doing me, me working from home bits and that and uh, something really strange happened it was the 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 cage to the door was open um and it closed it closed itself and at the same time that it closed i got a real cold whoosh of air past my legs um and i immediately thought to myself that's barry barry was the dog i thought that's barry and a couple of days later i heard barking and it was it was his bark wow now last night um this uh, this is recent as last night both myself and Sarah was sat in the lounge watching TV, and Freddie, who's one of the one of our cock spaniels, um, was sat in front of me, and he was absolutely fixated on the spot in front of the TV cabinet where Barry used to lie, and he wouldn't, and he he was growling, he was grumbling to himself, he was like, you know, he wasn't barking. But he was sort of like making little grumbling noises and little little growls. Nothing um, threatening. In fact, far from it, you know, because he, he he's a very well you know very well natured dog. And I I looked at Sarah and Sarah looked at me and I said, "That's Barry. Barry's there. It must be." And she said, "Oh, don't be daft." And I said, "No, look at him." And he was fixated. And then he got up and went out of the room. And then he came back again, sat down in front of the fire again, and carried on staring at this this particular spot. So he did it. He did it twice. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he all all very strange. Um, I mean, obviously that's something that's happened, you know, over the last few weeks. And you know, I'm, I'm convinced that that he's perhaps coming back to to to, to see us or or something. But it, that's obviously a separate thing to what's been happening with um you know with with the weird letterbox and yeah. and, and everything else but you know it, it may yeah. well be that that we're just we're just picking up on these things a little bit more at the minute uh, because we're probably just a little bit more emotionally um charged because of the upset and everything of of losing the dog you know so yeah yeah, definitely. And you might actually be I mean it might be something about the position of your house as well that's that's more of a 
you know, a conduit to to seeing things. You never know. I mean, my mum is absolutely convinced that that our old dog is still in her house. Now, um, we always had Border Collies. And um, since my mum and dad got divorced, which was about 25 years ago now, um, my mum's had two Border Collies. Currently, she said, she's nearly 80 now, so she said she's not having any more. Um, so the, but the original one, um that she had in this little cottage she lives in she lives in a, a little stone sort of uh, mill cottage in Halifax and um and so when she moved in there she moved in with Flossie the border collie and um Flossie used to love looking out of the bedroom window um and she loved to have a good bark at whoever was coming and next to the bedroom window my mum's got an old wooden tea chest and um, she loved to sit on the tea chest and peer out of the window because the windows were quite high up. Um, and then when she um, saw somebody, she'd jump from the tea chest onto the bed and then run down the stairs and try and grab the poster, whatever it was that, that was coming to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but even when she was older, um, she still used to sit on the tea chest um, and um, and then because the bed was quite near to the tea chest and she'd jump onto the bed and they both had very particular sounds. So you can imagine the creak of a tea chest um, along with the thump of the dog landing on the bed and the creak of that and then the thump of the dog landing on the floor. And uh, my mum used to say all the time, I've, I've heard Flossie today, I've heard Flossie, I heard her upstairs on the bed. And I'd be going, yeah, okay, mum. <laughs> um, anyway, I was there visiting her one day and then there, there was a, a noise from upstairs and I said to my mum, what was that noise? And she went, oh, well, that's Flossie. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, for all the world, it sounded like a dog jumping from the tea chest to the bed, to the floor. Oh, and yeah. that, it gave me chills actually yeah 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 well i'm i'm convinced um that um that our pets you know are still around i mean i know sarah's sarah's had dogs and cats galore over the years um and she she went to see a medium once many years ago before i met her and, and this medium i mean you know mediums there are good mediums and not so good mediums but yeah this medium said to her, you're absolutely surrounded by animals as cats and dogs and horses and all sorts going on. So, yeah. so you know, um, you yeah. know it, 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 it would be nice to think that that perhaps, you know, pets that, that we've had over the years are perhaps still around, you know, um, with, us. with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, but it must be confusing for your other dog, Freddie, because it's if he's seeing his old pal but in a different form it must be a bit scary for him yeah man yeah yeah it must be um like i say i mean he didn't react um in a in a bad way at all um he was more curious i think more than anything um yeah but hopefully slightly comforting for you to to think that he's still around well yeah yeah um it's quite it's quite a traumatic thing really that, that happened so um yeah. it, all, it all happened very quickly so 
so yeah um if he's still around then uh then you know <laughs> i mean his, his his ashes are in the garden so he's he's still physically around in, in one form or another yeah I, I like to think that they come back to say don't worry i'm still all right yeah yeah well hopefully yeah yeah um so just before we go um i really need to ask you about your next book what can you reveal anything about the next one um everybody keeps trying to get me to reveal things about my next book um and if if i knew which way it was going to go I'd, I'd reveal all um it's yeah i've i've um i've got a real <clears throat> excuse me i've got a real interest in uh canals and um the canal system uh, around here because it was it was obviously a very um industrial um uh, county was was lancashire um yeah. yorkshire obviously as well um you know we we had a lot of we had carl sisters Lee's liverpool canal in particular um and another one of my interests is um is genealogy fam family tree stuff um and my uh my mum's um paternal relatives uh, ancestors were all uh, canal barge workers um they all worked on the canal barges so i started doing some some research into into the Leeds Liverpool canal basically um and i soon discovered that there's actually quite a lot of paranormal reports and paranormal uh, stories ghost stories and and legends and you know um really interesting stories that are all centered on the canal or um you know the towns and and the cities that grow up on and around the canals and and this all sort of um uh this this is all around the theme of of water and water being a sort of conduit for for paranormal activity so so it's it's research that I'm doing really into gathering as many of these stories as I can. Um, if anybody's listening to this podcast who, who you know, live near rivers or live near canals or um, lakes or or whatever, where, you know, there are paranormal um, stories, whether there are ghost stories attached to them, please contact me um, because I'm fascinated by the whole subject. Um, and hopefully that's, that's going to, um, be the sort of main main thrust of the book really oh i can't wait for that one then um i think i i can't remember there was a story i'll have to look it up um i might have one for you myself um about a, a canal in halifax but um yeah i need to look that one up oh, well there are story. there are quite a few old books that i've found um again um you know trolling through the internet looking on ebay a lot of them are out of print now it's quite quite old books so a couple of them that i've got going back to the 19 1920s and 1930s written by the same author actually and you're gonna ask me who it is and i've forgotten now because they're actually on the bookshelf behind me um it's a female author and i can't for the life of me remember her name um that's it go on have a look not margaret margaret cornish um and one of the books is called um, Still Waters. And it, it, it's basically um, sort of, it's all about like sort of supernatural um, uh, things that have happened uh, around uh, the canal system and, and, and the Liverpool Canal. So, but again, you see a lot of these 
it's not it's not just plagiarism. A, a lot of these stories have got more to them um, than would immediately you know become apparent. And you know, doing doing more research into them, you find out you know that, that it's not just one person's account; it's, it's a number of people's accounts. So, for instance, just very quickly, there's um, there's a very long uh, tunnel on the canal at a place called Fulridge near Corn, um, which is is um, Burnley near Burnley. Yeah, and uh, there have been a number of reports of strange occurrences in in this um, in this tunnel. It's a very long tunnel. I think it's the longest one on the Leeds Liverpool Canal. Um, and so there's been a number of reports. So there is there is in this book that I've been reading there is her recollections as a child when she was on the when she used to go on the canal barges with a with a father who who, who worked the canal barges uh, in the same way that my ancestors did. Um, but there are also other reports and other accounts from different people at different times, again, of this same area. So you put all these different stories together and it gives you much more of a, um, a sort of rounded view of, of what's perhaps going on in that area. So it, it's, it's, you know, sort of widening the, um, the search, really, um, to get as much information about these places as, as possible. Yeah, well, I look forward to that one. Um, I always, I always think about every time I think about a canal. I always think of a dark, misty night, and um, you know, a, a faint outline of some lady in a long dress or something sweeping along. It's very... all, it's all very romantic. Um, but but I think the, um, I think the the actual, um the actual life that people used to live on on the canals was was very very hard very difficult um and they were very very you know unpleasant conditions that they used to live on the canal boats i mean i'd love to to retire sell up and go and live on a canal boat but you know sarah what basically sarah said you go and live on a canal boat and i'll go and live in malaga or you know somewhere like that where it's warm and, and dry you can live on a a musty old damp boat and <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go and sun myself maybe you could reach a compromise maybe you could spend the winter in Malaga and then the summer on the canal boat <laughs> maybe maybe yeah but I'm I'm actively looking to to spend as as, as much time on my own as I possibly can as I get old <laughs> so it won't be the greenhouse that you're grumping off to it'll be the uh the canal boat <laughs> yeah well i do have a good well I, I do have a great house actually i've got a i've got an allotment actually strange <laughs> brilliant with, with a big polytunnel on it so yeah that's where i tend to disappear so that's my man cave oh well do you know what you're lucky because um both myself and my husband hanker after a cave of our own but um we've um we've got this house that's got a big through lounge which seemed brilliant when the children were little it's like yeah. we can sit over here they can play over there and see what they're doing but now that they're 14 and 16 one of them's got a massive computer in it um <laughs> then there's the dining room table and then um aware at the other end in the living room but you can't do anything in in it there's only no. one person at a time that can do anything in the living room yeah, yeah, you don't, you do need, um, you do need your own space, I think, don't you? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, my my son's got more computing power in his bedroom than NASA, I think, to be honest with you. So, well, yeah, I know we've taken, ours has taken over the kitchen now, which is why I had to wait till things were finished because 
we've got one PC squirreled around the back of the kitchen and one PC squirreled down the back of the living room. <laughs> we are computer widows. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's the joys of having teenagers, isn't it? It is. Oh, well, it's been brilliant to talk to you, Craig. Thank you very much. And um, thank you for being flexible. And uh, we've managed to um, squirrel in a good talk there, I think. No problem. Can I just quickly give a, a plug for my website? You absolutely can. Thank you. So it's uh, craigbryant.co.uk. Um, all the information about the books, the links to uh, the books are on Amazon. Um, there's also a link to, if I dare mention it, my podcast as well. So there's a link link on there for that. Um, and yeah, that's that's probably the best place to go if, if anybody's interested. And if anybody does want to contact me, um, you can email me through the website as well. So I'm always happy to chat with people, um, you know, whether or not you've got anything to tell me, whether, if you just want to give me a bit of feedback and, and what have you, that's absolutely fantastic. So That's brilliant. Thank you. And I can verify that uh, the Paranormal Pendle podcast is very interesting and has lots of really good interviewees on and uh, it's well worth listening to thank you so well i shall hopefully talk to you soon and um i, I can't wait to read the next book i've read the first <laughs> one the second one um i'm going to put that on my wish list okay That's and good. then um, if i ever write my book it'll be a miracle <laughs> it is true if I ever get my children's spooky books written it will be a modern miracle but you never know we live in hope I have got some notes written down so there is a vague possibility that sometime in the future I might get round to writing it but who knows whether it'll be good enough to be uh, published watch this space it may be a very very long and boring space to watch okay so that was the interview. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to send me your paranormal experiences to paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com. And also you can do a voice note and attach it to the email or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash messages and send me the voice note there. I look forward to hearing your stories and I will put them on the podcast, so please do send them in. Okay, everybody, take care, have a fabulous spooky week and settle down with that tot of something hot and spicy or that tot of something warm and comforting. Either way, have a safe week and don't forget, together we can figure it out. Night. <laughs>